Hello, everyone. Welcome to Celtic Preacher. It's podcast 202. And I have, of course, been thinking a lot about the Christmas story because this is the sort of busy time in the church year. You know, at church, we're doing all sorts of things like, I don't know, finding parts for the Christmas play. I mean, who's going to be the wise men? Who's going to be the angel? And this is the time of year where we collect things for the homeless shelter and we get together for various fun times and lunches. And so we're all, and all the decorations are up. So here we are definitely in the swing of Christmas. So I wanted to start to look at these these Christmas stories found in the New Testament. And you know, when I look at these stories, when I look at the text, it doesn't matter what one it is. I'm always going in with the idea, what can I learn from this? And how does it help me in my life today? I mean, there's a reason why they've been told. There's a reason why the Christmas story has been told for 2,000 years, right? So I go into these stories with, okay, well, what, what does it, how does it inform my life and how does it help me? And if you, even if you've never heard the Christmas story before, and plenty of people haven't, if you opened up a Bible and you read Matthew's account, you would be surprised how brief Matthew's account is. Right? We've got quite a few different variations in, in the Christmas story, like from Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Well, Matthew is, is very, very short. You're, if you know the Christmas story at all, you're going to be very familiar with the one on the Christmas cards with angels announcing the birth of Christ on the Bethlehem Hills and shepherds and a manger scene, baby Jesus in straw in a manger, Mary and Joseph looking for a place to stay. That's all from Luke's gospel, the gospel of Luke. But Matthew, he takes a completely different approach, uh, much more simple and straightforward. And what's fascinating about Matthew is, is that he records Joseph's doubts and fears and misgivings. And which is always interesting to me. Anytime there's somebody in a text that has doubts, fears, and misgivings, that's got my attention, right? Because this is, this is the place that we live most of the time, right? With our doubts and fears and misgivings. So Matthew, this is what he says. I'm going to read you a little bit of the text here because it's, it's like three sentences. He says, this is the birth of Jesus This is how the birth of Jesus came about, he says. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph, her husband, was righteous, because he was a righteous man, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And that's it. That's what he tells us. This is Matthew's account. This is Matthew's Christmas version. That's what he tells us. 
And then after that, he goes on to tell us about Joseph's doubts and his misgivings. So that's, of course, I want to concentrate on that, you know, that whole idea of Joseph's struggles and his confusion, uh, because it makes him more relatable, for one thing, right? More ordinary. And this is, again, I was struck with this, this, this reading this year, Mary and Joseph, the stars of the show. Well, Jesus is, I suppose, the main star, right? Mary and Joseph, very ordinary, poor, in many ways in the world's eyes, unremarkable people, just folk going about their business, ordinary folk. And this is a part of the Christmas story that we can miss. Joseph's a regular, fairly regular guy trying to do his best. Now, he is the type of man that, you know, he wants to do his best. And it does appear from what we hear of him that he's a kind man. So, and he wants to do the right thing. The word that the scripture uses is righteous. We don't use that word so much now, but it means somebody that really wants to do the right thing. Deep down in his heart of hearts, he wants to do the right thing. He wants to please God and he wants to do the right thing. So we, we do have that background of the man. But what happens to Joseph is he's a regular guy that suddenly finds himself in a challenging, testing situation. And, you know, he finds himself basically in a family crisis, an unexpected unwanted family crisis. And like every one of us who has experienced this, and this is probably everybody who lives practically, right? Everyone, because we can relate to this, family crisis we can relate to. Um, how do you respond to an unwelcome event in your family? I mean, because your first thought is, like Joseph is, how am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? And this, at the very basic, this is Joseph's dilemma. Uh, he's engaged to this woman. He finds out she's carrying a child. The child isn't his. And he wants out the marriage. He wants out the engagement. By the way, of course, it's a little bit different because it was 2,000 years ago. He was in a legally binding contract with Mary, so it's not that easy to get out of. You have to divorce, basically. But he assumes that she's been unfaithful. He knows what he's going to do. He's not really vacillating. He knows what he's going to do. He's not going to marry her. Uh, child isn't his, but he does want out. And he wants to get out of the relationship, out of this mess, with as little fanfare as possible. That's another thing. He's not into drama. He's not into revenge. He's not into payback. He's not into, I'm going to get you back for this or whatever. That's not his character. He's kind of described as, just want to do this as quietly as possible. You know, I, I, I just want out. So that's just a little bit of the background of the man, Joseph. Now, for us, it's not always clear what 
the right decision is in our lives. Whatever we're making a decision on, whatever we're thinking about, whatever is going on in our families or in our work or just within ourselves, it's not always clear what the right way forward is. And for Joseph, he's not in a state of wondering. All he wants to do is get out. That's all he wants to do. Because for Joseph, the way to fix the problem is to divorce her. And he wants to do it quickly, wants to do it quietly, And the text tells us he's resolved to do this and he goes to bed, goes for sleep. Now, the story goes on to tell us that this was a memorable night for Joseph. It's a night he's never going to forget because when he sleeps, he has a dream. And obviously, this is no regular dream because it kind of changes his mind. And in the dream, the message is, Joseph, I don't want you to be afraid This is the angel in the dream, the messenger of God in the dream says, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to go ahead and marry this woman because God's in this. What's happened to her, God is in it. I don't want you to be afraid and I want you to go ahead and I want you to marry her. Now that's interesting because before this dream, you don't really get any impression that Joseph is afraid. Before this dream, before he goes to bed, you get the impression that he finds himself in this family mess. He doesn't want to have any part of it and he wants out. But the dream gives us just a a little bit more insight into what's going on in Joseph's psyche. And in the dream, we find out that he's apprehensive about something. And in the dream, the message is he doesn't have to be apprehensive. He needs to go ahead and do what he originally intended to do, which is marry her. Don't be afraid, the angel says. Some of the underlying motivation that Joseph has that isn't quite so obvious And again, the dream's saying the opposite. Don't be afraid now. Go ahead and do this. Don't let your own fears stop you from moving ahead. Don't don't be led by fear, Joseph. Don't let avoidance be your main reason. Now, can you see where I'm going with this? This is a, I think this is a really good lesson for us. Now, again, for Joseph, he's convinced this isn't just a regular dream. He believes that this is kind of an insight for him. He believes that that God is speaking to him. Like This is a sense of direction. He knows for sure, I've got to change direction here. And it's happening through his dream. Now, it might not happen through a dream for you, right? There's all sorts of ways that life, God, can, uh, our attention can shift in some way. 
We thought one way about something, and then some time passes, and then we think another way about something. Now, it certainly can happen at night. It certainly can happen when we're sleeping, right? Because we've all experienced that, right? We go to bed, we're worried about something, we sleep on it, and and we waken up and we we, yeah, I think I know what to do now, right? We've all experienced that. Had an old seminary professor that used to say, if you get stuck in a sermon, you get stuck in a teaching, you don't know what to say, and he's kind of getting bogged down by the whole thing, and it's not really going anywhere. He says, go take a nap. Yeah, take a nap. It's like, why? Well, because sometimes when you stop trying, sometimes when you just don't overthink everything, sometimes when you just relax and, and remain open, and, and you're somewhat flexible, not so rigid, not so locked in, God can give you a nudge, and that nudge can change your direction. Same, same thing can happen if you're not getting any direction, like if you really, really don't know what to do, and you're thinking about it all the time, and you're analyzing it all the time, and you're trying to figure out what steps to take to move forward. Nothing is clear. And then you sort of just give up and say, oh, well, I don't know what to do about this. And then once you relax, something drops in. It's like, oh, oh, I, I see now what I need to do. Or uh, I see now what I need to say. I think this is something about, you know, what's happening with Joseph here. It's absolutely sure I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to go near this. Actually, it could even just be avoidance. I don't know. I mean, I don't know his, all his motives, but it certainly could be avoidance. Like, I'm not even going to go there. I don't even want to deal with this. I, 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 want, I, I want divorced. I'm, I'm gone. I want this to be history. And then the dream and the word in the dream I think what's, what's revealed here is so important because it's like, Joseph, you don't have to be afraid. Now, I don't know if Joseph knew he was afraid or not. Sometimes we don't move ahead on something and we don't even know it's fear that's holding us back until later. Sometimes we don't want to say something to someone or be involved in a relationship or take on a new task because we're scared. But it's not always up front, and it's not always very obvious. What's obvious is, is that we want to get away, or what's obvious is we don't want to be involved. And, you know, sometimes that's appropriate, right? But it's just worthwhile uh, mentioning this, that sometimes fear isn't that obvious. It's more uh, overt. Uh, it's not so overt. And uh, yeah, I think this is what's happening with Joseph. And in the dream, then he realizes, ah, it was fear. I was frightened to, to go ahead and do this. And again, for you, it may, it may well, well, it probably won't be a dream for most of us. It probably won't be. But the point is, I think, that God has a way 
to make our choices, our direction, our thoughts clearer. Does God use dreams? Yeah, I think God does. But I think God also uses people and therapists and circumstances and music and podcasts and challenges and uncertainties. And in other words, angels come in all shapes and sizes, right? The messenger comes in all shapes and sizes. And sometimes it's just a whisper, like you don't have to be afraid of this anymore. Go ahead, don't avoid this. I think for Joseph, and I think this is true of people in general, sometimes that we think that the answer is to avoid and to distance ourselves from a person, a situation, sometimes we think the answer is to back out and withdraw and exit. And granted, yeah, sometimes that's necessary. But this is a story about how Joseph changed his mind. That was his stance. That, that was what he was going to do. And he was pretty convinced it was the right thing. And then he got some more insight, which in turn changed the course of his life. So it's a story that shows us how our direction can change. And that's fine. Just because you did something one way for years and years and years doesn't mean to say that you have to keep doing that, right? Just because you were a part of something for a long, long time doesn't mean to say you have to keep being a part of it. Or in a group, or in a relationship, or in a job, or what, take an interest in something. Just because you, you, did that, you did it that way before, there's no reason why you can't change, right? Jo Joseph changed his mind. There's something quite freeing about this whole idea of, yeah, you get to change your mind. You get to be in a place where, well, I used to think this was the right thing. I used to think that this was the right way. And now, well, now I think differently. Well, what changed? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think one thing that maybe changed is I'm not as apprehensive as I was before. I'm not as fearful as I was before. And when you take fear out the equation, that changes everything, doesn't it? Joseph changed his mind. Maybe there's something in my life that I'm doing or I'm going along with or I'm not seeing anything because at some level... I'm kind of apprehensive, I'm kind of scared, I don't want to rock the boat. That's common, right? Isn't this a common pattern of unhelpful family dynamics, group dynamics, toxic workplaces, unhealthy friendships? Yeah, just sort of go along, not see anything, 
I just want the easiest way out. I just want out of here. I think, I wonder, you know, was that what Joseph was thinking? What a mess this is. I just want out. And then, then this dream. Then this dream comes along and it's revealed that, you know, Joseph, really what's leading you is fear and apprehension. And that's really not the best motivator in life. Maybe you need to rethink this whole thing. And so when he gets up the next again day, he actually changes his mind, which is no small thing. Now, here's the thing about Joseph changing his mind, and this is also the thing about us changing our minds in whatever way. I was reminded of this with Joseph. Would Joseph be commended for doing what he believes is the right thing to do, right? So once the fear is revealed for what it is, he thinks to himself, okay, I'm going to marry her. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be frightened. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let fear lead. I'm going to go ahead and do what I intended to do all along. Now, here's the question. Would people around him understand? Would his family understand? Like his parents, for example. If the parents were alive, we don't even know if they were, but let's just use their imagination. If his parents were alive, would they get it? I doubt it. Would his, you know, friends around him affirm him? Or the local synagogue or whatever? I doubt it. I doubt it. And the thing is, if you read on in the story, things actually get worse before they get better. Because he does marry Mary, and he does adopt the child, who is Jesus. And then he finds out later on that he has to escape with Mary and Jesus. They have to leave the land. They have to go to Egypt for several years because he finds out that King Herod wants, is threatened by the child and wants the child dead. So all that to say, I mean, just because you do the right thing doesn't necessarily mean that it's, oh, okay, uh, everything is great, it's just peace and happiness and everything's fine. No, it doesn't necessarily work out that way for Joseph, not, not at the front end of the story. But... It's, doesn't that, isn't this what it means to, to grow up and be true to ourselves? Does, isn't this what it's all about? To, to grow up as full human beings and learn how to be true to ourselves? That there comes a point where we don't need to have constant affirmation, Right? We don't need to have it all the time. We don't have to need everyone to understand us and affirm us for doing what we believe is the right thing. Or here's another way of saying it, um, if you were using the biblical language. It's enough for me to know 
that I am doing what I believe is right for me and I believe that it is the way that God is leading me. End of story, you know? I mean, if you're doing what you believe is the right thing for yourself and you believe that God is leading you to do it, I mean, what more do we need, really, when you think about it? What more do we need? So I think that when we look at Joseph, and he's always the quiet one in the background, and nobody really makes a big fuss about him in the, in the Christmas story. You never really, you know, hear him say anything uh, very much. <laughs> Actually, nothing. Um, yeah, he's always the quiet one. But he remained true to himself. Uh, he was a man of integrity and he was a person that was not led by fear. He was true to what he believed uh, was the right thing to do. And I think that that's a really good word as we sort of move into this time of the season, this busy holiday season. There might be some things that you have to do that you'd really rather not do. Uh, there might be some people that you have to be with that you'd really rather not be with, some responsibilities that you have to take care of that you'd really rather not take care of, whatever, you know. Is there a way to navigate this time remaining true to yourself? Is there a way? And isn't that a good heart cry? Isn't that a good prayer it's like yeah I want to I want to be like him I want to be able to not be led by fear and be true to myself which looks like being true to God <laughs>